fat loss is often conflated with weight loss, right? We the, the industry uses it. People on podcasts and people in the vernacular say, talk about weight loss. I want to lose weight. What's your goal? I want to lose weight. And, and we're often asking the wrong question. Is it really weight that you want to lose or do you want to look better, feel better, improve your health and reduce your fat? Hello, and how are you doing today? I am super excited to introduce you to a new friend. And I probably you've heard me say this before, but one of the things I love about this podcast is the opportunity to meet people that I wouldn't have met before. And then to make it even better, I get to bring them to you so you get to meet them. So hang on because you're going to love this interview today. So today I'm talking to Philip Pape. And Philip is a high performance nutrition coach. He's a physique engineer and he's the host of the Wits and Weights Top 25 Nutrition Podcast, which you really need to listen to. It's very interesting. Through his personal transformation to become the strongest, leanest, and healthiest version of himself, Philip understands the effectiveness of using strength training and evidence based nutrition. He works with clients to do more with less, break through plateaus fuel their performance, and op optimize, that's that word, their metabolism, energy, and health without feeling restricted. Philip is passionate about helping you get unstuck inside and outside the gym to discover the knowledge and confidence to reveal your ideal physique. So thank you, Philip, and thank you for being here. Kelly, thank you for having me on, and I'm thrilled to be your new friend. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for those of you who are listening, you didn't get to hear this intro, but I listened to one of the intros on his other podcast. In this, I felt bad because this guy actually did like sound of, you know, a hero coming on and a whole um, a whole soundtrack. It was a crack up. It went on for like two minutes and I was like, oh, I can never beat that. So I'm just going to say hi. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, Doug, That's a friend of mine. He was starting a new podcast and he just wanted to he'd go over the top. So <laughs> no <laughs> it worries was over there. the top. Yes, it, it made was. me it think that sometime this next year, I'm going to do that to somebody. <laughs> there you go. You never know. April Fool's would be a good time, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great idea. So, okay. You are in the nutrition, supplementation, and bodybuilding world. And that's not somebody that we have on the show a lot. So mm -hmm. I am going to just pick your brain and have you explain to us some of the things that we need to be that we need to know. Okay. Can we start out with something that I always say, but like I don't know if anybody believes me, is the idea that strength training is actually the path to fat loss. Yes. How's that work? This is, this is right in my wheelhouse because everything I do with clients and when I talk on the podcast starts from that foundation of, of strength, of using our muscles the way they were intended. Our bodies were intended to function and to be used in this earth um, with our muscles and putting tension on them. So fat loss is often conflated with weight loss, right? We The, the right. industry uses it. People on podcasts and people in the vernacular say, talk about weight loss. I want to lose weight. What's your goal? I want to lose weight. And, and we're often asking the wrong question. Is it really weight that you want to lose or do you want to look better, feel better, improve your health and reduce your fat? And when people think fat loss, they think burning calories or lots of cardio or restrictive diets. And in reality, having more muscle burns more calories without having to diet, right? Uh, lifting weights burns more calories from the improvement in your uh, efficiency and your hormones and all these other things, your bone density without restrictive dieting. You can eat more when you lift weights. 
And so when, when I walk clients through fat loss, we usually spend a good one or two months not in a diet at all. Um, we build that foundation of training two, three, four days a week. You know, not a lot of time in the gym, doing it very efficiently, very little to no cardio other than walking. And then the solid foundations of nutrition, which we can get into of, of a very flexible, sustainable approach where nothing's off limits, you eat to serve your goals. Then we step on the gas pedal and we say, okay, we, we want to lop off maybe 10, 15, 20 pounds of fat here, but we're going to do it without losing muscle. And that's the big difference between weight loss and fat loss. Most people, when they crash diet, they're not training and they're not eating protein and they lose a bunch of muscle that doesn't come back ever unless you do start training at some point. So that's that's kind of the basics, Kelly. We can go from there. Yeah, no, it's so true. Yeah. And sometimes I'll have somebody who comes to me and and she'll say, you know, I lost a bunch of weight, mm -hmm. scale, getting on the scale, and now I'm only eating like 11 or 1200 calories a day. I'm like, well, that sounds sad. Yes. <laughs> I would cry if I could only do that every day. And, and you know, I encourage that whole idea of of thinking about the fact that muscle burns fat. Muscle mm -hmm. makes us live a long life, right? So what do you say to people, like if somebody said, I don't really want to do weights, right? I don't want to do weights. This is, this is the exact quote I get most of the time. I don't like going to the gym. I'm not going to spend six hours a week in the gym. That's mm -hmm. kind of like the thing. So what do you tell people if they're at that point? Because once they get going, probably the um, the resistance to resistance is going to fade. But to get them going, what are you going to say? And I like that you said resistance, <laughs> resistance to resistance training. Um, I think you hit on it when you talk about consistency, right? On your show, part of it is getting that quick win you know, going for that tiny change and getting that quick win and letting that motivate you. And then once you see results, you're going to get uh, into it and it, the intrinsic motivation ramps up. But first, you sometimes need that extrinsic motivator. So first, I would ask yourself, what is it? What's the real reason here? What's the real excuse? Because if you say, I just don't want to, there's something deeper there. It's either you don't like it, you don't have the time, you don't X, Y, Z. And all of these are choices, right? When it comes right down to it. Um, it may just be you haven't found what works for you. So if you think you have to go to the gym six days a week, I'm telling you, you don't have to. You can go to the gym two or three days a week for 45 minutes and get a very effective workout, but you may not know what to do. And so you think you have to go six days a week. If you think you have to go on the treadmill, you know, three, four, five days a week or run, you don't have to do that at all. I never run. Most of my clients don't run anymore. If you like running, awesome. You should run. That and that's part of it is do you like it or not? So I can I could go through the whole diagnosis of why, 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 why do you not like this? Because at the end of the day, I think every human being should quote unquote should use some form of resistance training. It doesn't have to be the kind I do, but something to use your muscles so that you can live a long, healthy life. Yeah. And you know, when you when you start getting stronger, something happens, something magical happens, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen, I've seen it in clients before. Like I had a client who once said to me, when we finally got to the bottom of the why about everything, she said, well, the reason is, is I want to be one of those women who steps on the plane. So we were talking about a, a retreat we we're going to go on, who steps on the plane. She's wearing her hiking boots. She's got a short skirt on. She walks down the aisle. She picks up her heavy bag and she throws it up into the overhead and go. she doesn't need anybody's help. Yes. I went, well, that's pretty 
like that's solid, right? And you know what? She did that. She became that person. But it took, you know, a few months of strength training. And and at first she was she didn't want to do the strength training. Yeah. So it's like looking for the long goal, looking for the that North Star, right? Yeah. And, and you just said, you and you just said it took a while. And then you said it took three months. And so we could, we can kind of put <laughs> on right. the half glass full, half empty of, well, it only took a few months. And it's true. Uh, if, if I got anybody listening to this on a training program, they would get two to three times the strength they have today within a month or two. That's how quickly you can gain strength. It's amazing. When, when you've been sedentary and haven't been doing it properly, you can get a lot stronger, a lot quickly. Um, and the other thing you mentioned was becoming the person you want to be. I like to think in terms of lifelong identity as opposed to just short-term results or transformations. Even though, yes, we break it down into goals and plans and habits, at the end of the day, who do you want to be? Or who, who are you? Who are you that you are becoming? Right. <laughs> right. Are right. you becoming that athlete? So I like the A word. I like the word athlete. Because anybody at any any age can be an athlete. And what do athletes do? They train, they fuel their performance, they take care of themselves, they rest, they recover, they periodize through seasons of performance. All, all these things uh, can align with the approach that that I like to take with folks. Awesome. Yes. And, and you're right. It is who do you want to become? Who mm -hmm. do you want to be? I love that. So athletes. Um, one of the things I would think that athletes do is they focus on their food as fuel. And you're a big proponent of there's no one size that fits all diet. Talk to us about that because I think that's so important. First of all, I love your transitions from <laughs> to, to the <laughs> next question. Um, one size fits all. Oh, this is this is at the core of what I believe about nutrition that I didn't know my entire life. So just for people listening so they know, I'm in my 40s and I didn't really, I did all the diets just like many of you all the name diets, the keto, the paleo, it's all the way until my late thirties. So I've only really been serious about this for about four years, four or five years. And the one thing that causes diets to fail is they're too rigid in some way. Not that they cut out carbs or do this or add in this or that. It's that you as an individual can't follow them. If you can follow keto for the rest of your life, for you, it's sustainable. If you can follow keto and build muscle, for you, it's sustainable. But I'll tell you, 99% of people can't follow these name diets for very long or get the results they want. So I don't even use meal plans. I don't use diets. With my clients, we, we understand what, are, what does your training look like? What does your movement look like? What do you like to eat? <laughs> what does your weekend look like? Do you travel a lot? Right? It's like all of the things in your lifestyle. And then we say, okay, now we're going to reverse engineer your diet for what you want. Well, you want to perform like an athlete. You want to be lifting weights. You want to be building muscle, right? And you want to maintain some level of leanness. You don't want to get excessive weight gain. Okay, now we're gonna we're gonna adjust calories and macros and things like that, but we're gonna let you choose whatever you want to eat that satisfies you, that doesn't cause guilt at all, um, and that meets your targets. So it's just abandoning that guilt and having freedom uh, to eat whatever you want. Yeah, it's it's funny. We do have guilt around food. Yes. It's really, it's just, it just happens. And, and this will probably give you like chill bumps, not the good kind down your back, but probably I'm in my early sixties now. So starting 40 something years ago, I became vegetarian mm -hmm. and I didn't even consume protein powder until okay. probably three years ago. And 
I was able to get away with it. I just was lucky. I had the kind of body that put on muscle without it. But Mm -hmm. man, when it stopped, it stopped like that. And, and I had to make some adjustments. So was that around perimenopause? If I could ask, I was like forties, you know, it was no, what it was, was it was around COVID and the whole, the whole thing that happened was the gym closed Yes, and I got under stress. So I started doing long, long cardio. Oh, okay. That would explain it. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) so suddenly the body just wasn't able to, you know, maintain that muscle while I'm doing long cardio and not going to the gym. And it was kind of interesting and it's made me realize how much, and we, and I want to come back to protein and all the supplementation, because that's like your wheelhouse. But before we do that, you mentioned something just now that I think is so important. Lots and lots of my clients travel, right? Mm-hmm. We're always out trotting around the world. It's hard, or it seems hard to um, stay consistent with your food and what you should be eating when you're always traveling. What are your suggestions? So planning is everything (laughs) when it comes to travel. It's kind of going back to the principles of not being impulsive, not having too much decision fatigue, being able to enjoy what you want. It's it's thinking ahead and having a plan for what you're going to do. So a short trip might be taking some protein powder with you, taking some food with you, or deciding that you're going to make one or two meals while you're there. And then you're going to enjoy yourself and you're going to choose things that align with your goals. Maybe things like you would eat at home, but you're going to choose them in a restaurant. Um, You may, for example, look up the restaurants ahead of time and know what's on the menu and just know, okay, this is the kind of things I'm going to choose. You may be more precise than that. You You may use meal planning and actually uh, identify what you're going to eat and decide how it affects your goals and just stick to that plan. Um, there, there's a whole bunch of things. It really depends on what kind of travel we're talking about. Like, are you going to be in airports? Are you going to have access to, you know, only junk food in convenience stores? So it all, it all depends, but it's planning, planning, planning so that you don't emotionally react. Right. Right. In fact, you just said something that that I find is super helpful. Like we do something called sugar freedom. Sugar freedom Mm -hmm. is a month without sugar, basically. And it's, it's something that is emotionally reactive, right? When you use sugar as a soother. And so I love people to go in, look at the menus of the restaurants Mm -hmm. they're going to and make that decision before they get there. So they don't have exactly what you mentioned earlier, which is decision fatigue. They don't, you know, they, they know what they're going to do and they don't have their mind going, Oh, I think I'll look at everything. Um, it really makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, there are a lot of strategies and it depends on where you're starting from, but starting with protein and fiber, for example, right? Everywhere you go, that alone, those two things are going to drastically change what you choose because we know how hard it is sometimes to get protein when you go out. Everything is carbs and fats, sugar, salt, you know, it's delicious stuff, but it's very dense and very low in protein because protein tends to be more expensive and only found in whole foods, meats, things like that. And even if you're vegetarian, like you said, there's there's a whole different strategy there <laughs> with plant-based uh, protein that where now you have to balance your carbs and all that. But um, yeah, protein. if you start with protein and fiber because protein gives you the satiety, it of, of course supports muscle building. Um, it has the highest thermic effect of food, meaning it burns the more, most calories. And then fiber keeps you full. Fiber is vegetables. Uh, whole grains, fruits. It's all the things that are nutrient dense uh, and will fill up your stomach so you don't need as much. So that that's another kind of rule or, or rule of thumb that you could follow. 
Um, the other thing is with travel, uh, are you going to be going out to restaurants three days, three times every day and just completely going crazy? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and so we kind of want to plan in our indulgences and say, okay, well, on that night, I'm going to go to that really special restaurant and I'm going to have the appetizer and maybe a drink and dinner and dessert. Fine. Plan it in. Like plan that in. The other strategy I use with clients is if we're in a fat loss phase and you're going to go for a week, let's just stop the fat loss phase. Let's put it on pause. Go oh, from nice. your 500, 600 calorie day deficit up to no deficit. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're just going to not make further progress and you're going to not feel restricted at the same time. So right. I, can, I could go on. This is like a sure. whole topic. So you don't have like that inner inner kid just throwing the temper tantrum because they want to have all yeah. the food. Yeah. You don't binge yeah. and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. You're, you are the, the nutrition supplement king here. So tell me a couple of things. First one, supplements. When you talk about protein, what's the difference between somebody getting protein from like a protein shake or using amino acids mm. and feeling like they're getting a protein piece from that, even though there's no protein on the label? Yeah, I mean, the amino acids lack everything else that's in a source of protein. So it's 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 just the amino acids. It's not the food that goes along with it. It's not the energy. It's not the calories. You're better off just getting it from food. the The only case where I think amino acids can be helpful is if you're fasted training, like in the morning okay. if you've trained fast, which I don't recommend for most people. Right. Uh, but for some people, they actually thrive on that. So essential amino acids and not branch chain amino acids. That was the old uh, lean gains right. days. That was big. So essential amino acids. Uh, but even then, I would say as long as you have your protein minimum for the day from food, you just don't need them. They're a waste of money. They're way more expensive for the for the gram of amino acid. You might as well just eat and drink protein powder. Eat more. Or food. <laughs> yes. And so, food. Yes. So basically, what, like one gram a protein for every pound that you want to weigh? Is that? that That's the rule of thumb is up to a gram per pound of your target body weight. Um, it, in a fat loss phase, that could be challenging for some people because the calories are low. So you can go down to 0.8 or so. When you're building muscle, just like you said, when you, you didn't eat much protein, the, the body has a lot more tolerance because the carbs can kind of make up for that carbs are protein sparing and they're a source of energy. And so if you have a lot of carbs in your diet, then the protein won't, will be used more efficiently and you can get away with less of it is my point. Mm -hmm. So yeah, gram per pound is good. Um, if you are trying to lose fat a bit more quickly, you're actually going to have to have more protein, like 1.1, really? 1.2. 1. Really? And it's, and yet you're on lower calories. So that's more of an advanced technique for like intermediate trainees. Okay. Yeah. So what about like, I mean, I have a lot of women that I mean, they're, they're petite, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe they weigh 130, 140, something like that. They find it almost impossible, myself included, to hit that 130 grams a day. So suggestions? Because <laughs> you can only put so much in your stomach. Sure. Yeah. The the first the first challenge is on the energy side, right? If you're 130 pounds, you're a petite female, you're probably burning around everywhere from 1200 to 1800 calories, depending on, you know, how much muscle you have and your personal metabolism. So if you're on the lower end of that range, even at maintenance, you're not getting a lot of calories. So 130 grams of protein times four, that's like 500 calories, right? That's almost half your, a third to half your calories. Right. Um, it just means you're going to have to have a very protein focused diet. Now to do that, 
Number one, I would look at, are you having protein every time you eat? Mm. So whether you're eating two, three, four times a day, is there at least a sufficient amount of protein in that meal? Uh, sufficient meaning 20, 30 grams of protein. The second thing is, can you add a snack, right? Can you add a snack and that snack could be a whey protein shake or if you're vegetarian, pea rice blend, or if you have intolerances, you could use beef isolate, something like that. And add that in because that way, if, like you said, if you don't feel you could stomach it or get it down, it's in a liquid form. It's going to be the easiest way to get down. Um, if you take 130 grams of protein divided by four, you're you're in that range, right? You're okay. in that range of 30 to 40 grams at most per meal. What about, okay, this is something I've never looked up or asked. These um, little shakes, like mm -hmm. muscle milk and, sure. and those Core, yeah. kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. Are those good? Are those of value? I mean, the muscle milk brands, they have a lot of other ingredients. And frankly, I don't think they even taste great. Um, <laughs> I think the the purer brands, like the, the Fairlife brand called Core Power, okay. it's okay. basically just milk with, it's basically just filtered milk. So in that case, okay. I you know, it's a matter of how comfortable you are with all the extra ingredients. I'm never going to say anything's bad. I'm just okay. going to say, look at the ingredients, look at the um, efficiency of the protein. So if you've got protein, but you have a lot of other things, is it worth putting in your mouth versus making your own protein shake, right? Or okay. eating cottage cheese or, you know, having meat or having some other source of protein. Okay. And when you say other things, you're talking about like the added ingredients with the funny names or exactly. extra sugar exactly. or stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And, I'm, and I'm the last person to say, so as a nutrition coach, I, I don't uh, ever say anything's off limits. Honestly, anything. There's a lot of stuff that gets vilified in the, in the fitness industry, like seed oils or aspartame or whatever. In moderate amounts, if that's within 10, 20% of your diet, you're fine. Don't sweat it. Don't stress. If you're listening to this, that's cool. Most Americans eat 60, 70% of their diet from those types of foods. So right. we're just literally flipping that ratio around and, and you're going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Perfection isn't going to do us any good. Right. Um, so what are the supplements? Like, since you know your supplements, what are mm -hmm. the supplements that you would suggest to, you know, the audience listening that are the needed ones? And, and you'd, if you don't, if you want to just focus on the ones for, you know, muscle building, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to go broad range, you go broad range, whatever you think. Yeah, I have a very short list. I split it into nutrient deficiencies and performance. So okay. when we think of nutrients, even if you eat a whole food diet, it's hard to get a lot of certain things in the modern food supply, even the way produce is made. And uh, we take magnesium, for example, it's very difficult to get all the magnesium you truly need. And so a magnesium supplement is one of the few supplements I recommend to most people. Um, you could take it at night, you usually need around four or 500 milligrams and there's different forms, but um, some people report a bunch of improvements when they do that, like sleep, you know, improvements mm -hmm. in their sleep or migraines. My wife, you know, her migraines went away. She started taking magnesium. She was deficient. Um, a multivitamin is the other one where, eh, you know, I'm kind of agnostic about it. I take one. I know some people that don't and it's to be safe. It's like just in case, you know, you have a right. deficiency. Um, the other, the other two that are more targeted based on your lifestyle is omega-3 fish oil and vitamin D. So fish oil, you know, we know there are benefits to having lots of omega-3s in our diet, which can come from fatty fish. If you don't eat enough fatty fish and fish oil is a good source. Um, the old adage of omega-3 to omega-6 ratio has been shown to not be as much a concern as the amount of omega-3 itself. 
Okay. Right. Because it used they used to say, well, you know, lower your omega six, increase your omega three. They found that it's really the amount of omega three that mattered. So it kind of okay. to simplify it for the audience. Okay. Um, and then what was the other one I, I said there? Uh, vitamin um, D. Right. Vitamin D. Yes. So vitamin D again is another one where the science is kind of all over the place. I would get your blood tested for that. And mm -hmm. if you live in a northern climate, chances are it's lower than if you're in a southern, you know, closer to the equator. Um, I tend to take it year round, but sometimes I'll stop taking it in the summer. So it, it ranges from everywhere from a couple thousand IU to like five to 10,000 IU. And again, some people will freak out and say, oh, you're going to get, you know, way too much vitamin D. Get your blood tested. Everyone okay. is different. That's the key. Okay. So that's it for the, the deficiencies. Um, I have one tangentially related to that is probiotics. Okay. So that's more digestion and right. gut microbiome. So I'm a big fan of that. And if you eat probiotic containing foods like yogurt and kefir and anything fermented, that helps. And then we get to the performance. So stop me if I'm kind of going too fast here. Um, for performance, I like creatine is the big okay. one. Creatine monohydrate. But tell me about creatine because I've been taking it and I see a marked difference. You did? Okay. You noticed a difference in your performance? I, I'm a, Actually, I noticed a difference in muscle mass. Okay. Yes. Right. In muscle building. And then somewhere I was reading, it's because it makes your muscles um, more hydrated. Yes. Is that the, is that what it's doing or is it actually helping you increase your muscle? It, it's helping you draw more glycogen into your muscle okay. via the a ATP, right? The energy source of cells. But that also then lets you push a few extra reps in the gym. Yeah. Which then builds more muscle. Okay. So okay. that's, it, it can kind of make you look a little fuller and muscular just short term when you load your body with it after the first few weeks, but it also then allows you to lift more and perform better. Just a, a tiny amount. It's not, again, right. none of these are game changers. Supplements are like the tippity top of the pyramid once you've got all the other things established. Okay. Okay. So creatine, what else? Um, And then, so yeah, creatine. And then if you need a performance enhancer, caffeine is great. So coffee. <laughs> black coffee. Right. And then there's a small group of other pre-workouts that some more advanced athletes might want to look into. And, and usually they're sold as a pre-workout that has three or four ingredients, L-citrulline, beta-alanine, and um, oh, there's one other, betaine. And they all come from amino acids. So honestly, don't worry about it. If you're listening to this, I'm just throwing it out there. If you see those, all ears. Exactly. If you see a lot of pre-workouts will have caffeine plus those. Okay. And, and, and they all have little bumps in your performance according to the research. Okay. So, so we're that, that's getting better performance, yeah. which over long-term means that we can become stronger and Build more muscle, so on and yeah. so forth. Yeah. yeah. But okay. I would first make sure you are training hard and know what you're doing before you start using supplements as a quick fix, right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Like caffeine. <laughs> yeah. Caffeine's, uh, caffeine's great help. for multiple reasons though. <laughs> <laughs> it is a super help. Okay. So what did I not ask you that I should be asking you or that you'd like to let us know? Oh, that is a good one. Um, so we talked about a little bit about strength training and fat loss. I don't know if you wanted to go a little bit more into that. Um, because you know, I mentioned, I mentioned earlier that when you lose weight, you also lose muscle. And the question I often get asked is, well, then how do you train for that. How do you train for fat loss? How do you train to hold on to muscle? And the way you want to think of it is this, your body has energy coming in and it has stress uh, on it at all times. When you are eating plenty of food, um, the stress is at a minimum, 
because your body has all the nutrients it needs for your hormones, you know, your reproductive hormones, your hunger hormones like leptin and ghrelin, your cortisol, your stress hormone, all that. It's all regulated. It's all fully fed. As soon as you start to take that away, your body's going to start to compensate. So it's going to, and by that, I mean, you go into a dieting phase and you're in a calorie deficit. You don't have the energy coming in. Your body says, oh, hold, hold on. Let's start down regulating some of those hormones. Let's increase your hunger because we know you, you need to eat. Let's increase your stress a bit because you're, you're trying to survive. Um, let's downregulate reproductive hormones. And, you know, women especially get the brunt of that um, even more so in perimenopause, postmenopause. And your body starts to compensate by shutting down a bunch of things. Your cells become more efficient. Um, everything just starts to get quieter and slower. And this results in what we call metabolic adaptation, where your body just burns fewer calories the more you diet, right? So that's why we get into this vicious cycle when people diet where they lose some weight, they plateau, and they think I have two options, either eat less or move more. And the movement they use is usually the wrong kind of movement. And that's what I wanted to bring this to. The movement they usually do is a lot of cardio. And the cardio tells your body, oh no, here's another stressor. Let me downregulate everything even more and burn even fewer calories. So even though you've like run for 200 calories worth of energy, you might only burn 100. The next 200 might only burn 50. It's kind of this like diminishing returns and you're on the hamster wheel and you're starving and you're like, it's a vicious cycle, right? What if instead you just walked and you trained three or four days a week and um, get, 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 take, took that stress off your body so much so that you don't have to be in as big of a deficit. Now you can go through the plateau. Now you can get through your flat fat loss phase in let's say eight to 16 weeks, get to the goal you want and you're done. Like I'm a fan of efficiency and getting it done quickly. Right. Right. Okay? No, I love the way you yeah. describe that yeah. because it is, it, it's what happens and I see it yeah. all the time, you know, because we used to be able to eat less or yes. more cardio and it would come off. Yes. But then there's this point where it just, your body is just like, yeah, that's not going to work anymore. I'm done with it's that. It's not. It's, it's stressed. It's stressed. And, and then yeah. you end up getting less sleep and it just goes on and on, right? It's a vicious cycle. Um, right. from, from a strength training perspective, you know, you shouldn't really change much of what you're doing between not when you're not dieting versus when you are. The main difference is the older you get, the harder it is to recover. So like for me, when I go into fat loss phase, I tend to cut out one day a week of my training, or I tend to cut out some movements. I want to train really hard, but I don't want to train so much. Right. Because the volume is what's going to kill you. It's going to interrupt your sleep. You're going to feel sore. You're going to have a hard time and it's just going to dra drag and drain on you. So those are just, I can go on. Those are some principles I have. <laughs> well, that's why we have you on because yep. <laughs> people who know what they're talking about can go on. <laughs> yeah, and I have a podcast. So, you know, I've, I've recorded hours and hours of this stuff. <laughs> ah, I love it. All right. Last question before we, okay. before we wrap up and I let you go back to your life and I don't keep asking you questions because I would, um, what did we not touch on? Like, I know I said it just now and you went through this really well, but is there anything else that you'd like to throw out there just as an idea, maybe the idea of stress, um, on your body or the idea of sleep, all of these things matter. What would you throw out? Anything? Oh, that's hard. I think I feel like we covered everything. Okay. Um, okay. If we've covered maybe, everything, you don't have to keep talking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the mindset, the mindset thing of just not being perfect because there's no such thing. There's yeah. no such thing as perfect. So when you have, even if you have a calorie and macro target, 
you're never going to hit it perfectly right on the calorie and right on the gram. So accept that you actually are not, and that's life. And just keep making progress. Get up the next day and do it again. And whatever happened yesterday, it's in the past. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's thinking, oh, she got him to say that. <laughs> oh, because you would say that, right? No, not at all. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on here today. I truly appreciate it. And Thanks, Kelly. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Well, have a wonderful day. You too. Hey there. I know it sounds like we're wrapping up this episode, but there's more. <laughs> so hang on. Listen to this invitation I have for an extra special event that's coming up. And then catch the action steps that you can take that are all around Philip's interview. Thank you for being here. Okay, I have three questions for you. You know the drill. If you're driving, come back to them. But if you're not driving, grab a pen and a piece of paper and let's do this. So number one, I want to know where you can abandon your guilt around food. It's a big deal for all of us. We have guilt around food for whatever reason, and it doesn't help us. So where can you abandon your guilt around food? That's number one. Number two, do an experiment. So this experiment is next time you're going to go out to eat, because like we talked about on this podcast or on this interview, a lot of times what happens is that when you get to a restaurant, any decisions that you that you've thought you were going to make just go out the just go out the window right because you're like looking at the menu so before you head out to a restaurant prior to a next dinner out go ahead pull up the menu online take a look at it make a decision what your meal is going to be start with something that is vegetable based if possible because it'll fill you up start with a glass of water and then if it's a place that's going to bring chips or um, bread basket or something like that, ask them to bring it at the with the meal, not before the meal. So you can have that after you get started. Okay, so pull up that menu and make your choice before you go. And then number three, for the next week, if you can, start counting your protein grams just for a week, just to kind of get a feel for, you know, where are you falling? I mean, you might be like me. You might realize that, you weren't taking in any grams of protein. This was me a couple of years ago. I was like, oh my goodness. Um, I never ever focused on protein before and it makes a difference. So it makes a difference in strength. It makes a difference in everything we talked about today. It also makes a difference with your skin. So for the next week, just count your protein grams and see where you fall. I'd, I'd love for you to share them with us on social media, which would be super cool. So Anyway, thank you so very much for being here. Have a wonderful week and I will see you next week. Thank you again so much for listening today. I truly appreciate the opportunity to connect. If you're ready to incorporate fitness consistency into your life, I'd love to help. I have a special gift for you. If it's a struggle to stay consistent with your fitness and you're ready for all the energy, vitality, and feeling great you can have, go to my website, Fit is freedom.com. And on the homepage, you can get a free copy of my consistency is key masterclass, plus a fitness plan you can follow along with guaranteed to get you started on your path to being fit and free forever.